0: f1 or f off you're already on stop for f1 news interviews and race reviews i'm your host gabe hey yo, i'm Idris. well everybody the time has come for us today to talk about drive to survive season five
1: yeah season five yeah this is this is the show that i think really broke the ice for f1 i think between this and I would also say just Formula One having, like, the F1 TV app to make it more accessible for people to, like access. Yeah. I think th- these two are the game changers for, for F1 for the sport.
0: Yes. Um, the app, for sure. I've mentioned it previously in, uh, I think, our intro episode where, um, like, in 2010, re- I had to, like, look up, like, what streaming services, or not streaming services, what, what channels on our Dish network did I have to get in order to actually watch the sport? And like you had to upgrade the package in order to get the one channel. And I had to like, you know, coerce my parents into upgrading their package to get the one channel so I could watch it. I would agree, at least in a modern context, I would say that like for me and I think for a lot of people that I've actually noticed, too. That things like Top Gear, like your Top Gear with like Jeremy Clarkson and James May and uh, Richard Hammond, they had segments with Formula drivers. They were doing mm-hmm. F1 driver interviews before, you know, out in England, like before anything yeah. kind of came to the States. So there was a, like a lot of introduction to people from that kind of context. Yeah. And also, there's been lots of really good movies that have come out in um, documentaries too the Senna documentary, oh, um, yeah. the so Michael good. Schumacher documentary, and mm-hmm. like movies like Rush. Mm-hmm. um i really hope they make more formula one movies because there's so many stories yeah. that they could cover
1: i mean there's one uh i mean lewis is working on one with brad pitt right now right mm-hmm. and i just saw a headline uh, stefano dominic uh Domenicali? is that how you pronounce his last name yes um yeah president of fia he was saying that he thinks like the whole filming process is going to be super invasive and everything And i mean not i don't think it had like a super negative flavor to it but i think he was just concerned about like what impact that would have on f1 being able to have like a good product like for races and all that kind of stuff but whatever we want f1 movie so right stuff it
0: could you oh okay picture this i just had this thought picture this imagine either a crash gate movie or a movie or a movie with Renault in like 2006 like 2005 like the fernando and imagine you know who's gonna play fernando who pedro Pascal? (laughs) i mean come on he would do so good. <laughs> the he would, he, I mean, like he's Fernando super Alonso. hot right now, right? Like he's super <laughs> popular, but also like he just looks so much like yeah. Fernando Alonso. He could pull yeah. that off. It would be amazing. Yeah. I, like maybe we should just maybe at some point just during this episode, we should just talk about speculating oh, like what actors would play uh, the drivers. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I love it. I'm saying Pedro Pascal for Fernando Alonso is 100%. what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Who would play Stroll? That's a that's a that's the real one. But wow. anyway, let's talk about Ooh, Drive to Survive can, before we get too far. Oh, real quick,
1: I, yeah. oh, I have a, It's in my head right now. I gotta can say. do it. So it would have to be a retrospective film, right? So it's right. like Fernando as he's winning this season's championship, right? And then mm-hmm. it's him on the podium. He's holding, he's hoisting up the the World Drivers Championship trophy. And He's like, oh, "Viva Last and Martin!" Everything, and then Lawrence Stroll comes up and like pats him on the back. He's like, oh, "I know you could do it, son." Right? And then <laughs> it just like zooms into Alonzo's face into one of his eyes and then it zooms out and then it's him in 2005 when he's racing for Renault, right for his first championship driving season yeah yeah you're talking about
0: you're talking about the scenes already like
1: oh man who's playing uh
0: who's playing lawrence stroll is that um uh, john goodman uh, john goodman that's not bad (laughs) yeah man this is ah that's fun that's yeah. so fun to think about just our famous f one movies. Yeah. We should
1: use AI and storyboard this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, see if we do that, then Pedro Pascal is going to have like seven fingers on the one hand. <laughs> and like, they're all going to be pinky fingers and like yeah. three thumbs. Yeah. Um, if we're going to talk about manufactured drama. Yeah. Oh, uh, edited drama.
1: Yeah. Um, some spicy um, drama.
0: I will say just a disclosure for everybody out there. If you've come to formula one after watching drive to survive, First of all, welcome. Yes. And welcome to uh, the fam. Welcome to the fam. But uh, what I'm going to tell you is that yes, drive to survive, I think is an incredible primer for the sport. Yes, However, there are lots of stuff that happens in drive to survive that is either overdramatized or under dramatized yeah. or just left out completely, you know, based on, they don't want to mm-hmm. interview this person because they're boring or they don't think this is that <laughs> important. Um, <So> true. <laughs> and, uh, And it's you only really know that context if you watch the sport and kind of follow the news. And so that's Mm -hmm. the funny thing. Like every time the new season comes out, it's like, okay, what are they going to leave out? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they going to keep in? And I don't know about you, Idris. I think I remember texting you at the time. I had to find it on YouTube. But when I say this, if you pay attention, you will probably never be able to unhear it. And I'm going to I'll find the sound clip and I'll add it into this episode. But there is a particular particular cheering crowd noise. It's right here. I heard that once and then I heard it twice and then like within the same scene and I'm just like, are they just pumping in the same generic crowd cheer noise <laughs> like throughout the whole, like they might as well put in a Wilhelm scream when one of the yeah. cars crashes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because it was just so overdone. I, I was absurd. like, it, it takes me out of the reality of it. You know, I would much rather
1: hear just like real organic cheering. Yeah. How about that?
0: It's not like people aren't cheering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People are losing their brains.
0: Like you're at a race event. Just put somebody out in the crowd with a microphone and yeah. record some cheering. Like, you know.
1: Um, I don't know why they go with the stock footage stuff. It's yeah. ridiculous.
0: But anyway, Idris, let's let's have I'm gonna have you talk about the first episode of first season episode. five and let's just say woof. Yeah um, as far as that title and, and sort know, of what was happening.
1: <laughs> the New Dawn is the is the is the name of the first episode. So first <laughs> off, I gotta say that I really enjoy watching Drive to Survive after having watched the full season previously, right because yeah. it's like it's cool because you know what's gonna happen right yeah. and like you see Mattia Bonotto there and you're like oh baby oh sweet summer child you don't know what's coming <laughs> to you they're driving you know?
0: in the Fiat <laughs> yeah. with, with Gunther yeah, and Matea they're just and Gunther, like yeah. oh we're going to have great season and yeah like, we love we love our
1: jobs <laughs> talk about great job security <laughs> 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 oh
0: oh man yeah if you don't know ferrari's new dawn was more of like another dusk yeah um, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's Does true. ferrari doing ferrari things jesus christ oh my god i mean they, this whole episode i mean and believe me when you were there watching it you were still you, you believe it like, like when the beginning of the season they were doing so well like literally yep. the first race both red bulls spin out or like yeah. you know they fail and they don't finish and you're like dude yeah it's ferrari season like charles yeah. is gonna win this and yeah. then just like several races later it's just like oh yeah
1: yeah and, and what kills me what kills me is that i don't like ferrari in the sense that like like you don't like the lakers or you don't like (laughs) the yankees you know what i mean Uh i like the drivers for ferrari like i love Charles. i love carlos yes i but i can't ever buy ferrari merchandise because that would just be wrong well yeah who can afford it no that's the other thing right I bought um, a
0: lanyard from when we were in Austin, which I haven't used because, as it turns out, the lanyard I wanted to replace my lanyard for my keys, but as it turns out, the yeah. lanyard that I got from Ferrari, it doesn't work as a key lanyard. Of, of course. So, of course. But I think they charged me like twenty five dollars for yeah. it, and it was it wasn't even for sale. It was just like hanging out. I was like, hey, I want that lanyard. Can I you sell me that lanyard? And they just like, dude. Ferrari is the only team that can
1: be performing the worst of all the teams and they're still charging a premium for their merch.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's true. Yes. And here's the thing on that subject of not liking Ferrari. So for me personally, my first exposure to Ferrari when I started watching was with Massa and Alonso. Yes. And so obviously because Alonso, you know my favorite driver. I supported Alonso. I didn't support Mm -hmm. Ferrari. And that tends to be how I operate. Generally, I support drivers, not necessarily the teams that they're with, but more the drivers because I want the drivers to succeed. So Fernando, he put in his time. He did everything for Ferrari he just like i mean r- unfortunately like red bull was just such at the top of their game that it was hard to compete but he came really close especially that 2012 season mm-hmm. and so as a ferrari driver i loved fernando alonso i really supported him and i wanted to see him and i think he looked great in that red car and his helmet worked really well but yeah you're right i don't care for ferrari as a manufacturer as an institution like, you know and it's not because their cars aren't cool. Believe me, I, like if I were to ever buy a Ferrari, what I would want is a, a three fifty five. Mm, it's like the a good one. It has the sound uh, that every Ferrari. When you think of a Ferrari, what it sounds like, like it is the sound of this car. <gasps> It is just that perfect high pitch wailing mm. revving noise. It's just like from when I was a kid. That's what I like. But honestly, like the hassle of owning one and being part of that club is just not worth it. And so that's the thing that's interesting with Drive to Survive, especially this first episode. They paint this as like, oh, it's Ferrari's new dawn. It's their new mm-hmm. time to shine. And it's like, yeah, they got a great start to the season, but mm, yeah. like, it's just they uh, they spoke too soon and they kind of. Uh, mm-hmm yeah and what's
1: interesting too about this first episode is just seeing like the hope and optimism with Mattia and because I personally I like up until this season I like I always thought he was doing as good of a job as possible right Mm -hmm. at at, at least better than Arriva Bene who was the prior uh, previous team principal for Ferrari and watching like how much hope and anticipation he had for the season going into it he was like you know the the Fossey the Ferrari fans they deserve this and xyz we've put so much hard work into this car and you know we have two great drivers and then seeing how that story arc ends at the end of this season where they don't win and they're like oh well we deserve second place we've been working really hard it was just kind of pitiful to see because i remember there was a headline last year where material was like oh well we were never fighting for the championship we were we were just aiming to do as best as possible and it's like dude no in the beginning of the season you were saying you what you guys wanted to win win it all Mm-hmm. yeah like there's no shame in saying we wanted to win and we, we weren't good enough and we're going to come back even harder next year right but then they just settle and say oh well we deserve second place like i don't know ferrari has Maybe that thing. checked out at that point
0: yeah well and ferrari has that problem where like because of the media and because of the fans are as ravenous as they are it's like if ferrari fails it's either a grave disappointment but they're still the greatest racing team ever or it's blamed on somebody else you know mm-hmm. it's never the car It's never the Ferrari as an organization. It's always some other external factor that's causing it to have problems. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it's funny. It's just like Ferrari is like a really, really powerful, fast racehorse Mm -hmm. that's on an ice portion of the track or something like it just it can't every time they think they're getting momentum, like they slip and fall on their face. Yeah. And as an institution of the sport, like, you know, I honestly feel like I would like I don't want to see Ferrari leave. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that they're in there. I think sure. they wouldn't be what they are if it was not for Formula One. That's like their entire bread and butter. I mean, you know, it would be like if the Lakers decided, well, you know, we're just going to sell merchant basketballs. It's like, well, you're not going to have a team. No, but like as a brand where you know, it's yeah. like, no, I mean, yeah. they, they got to be there, um, yeah. even if you don't like. Them. But talking about, I guess bouncing or bouncing back that is the uh title of the second episode which um focuses particularly on the porpoising problem and also has that famous uh scene with the driver principal meeting where uh, christian horner um, you know tells Toto to you know change his you know his you effing, car. effing car yeah and then you know Toto's like yo you need to talk to your drivers your drivers say your car's <laughs> but your drive's like terrible you know so do you want to do this in front of the cameras <laughs> you want to lose it from the cameras you know I still have Toto's number should I give Toto a call oh
1: absolutely okay yeah absolutely hold on. he's me... a friend of the pod
0: yeah yeah let me let me give him a call here hold on a second Good morning. Toto, hey. Hello, cutie pie. Hey, man. Yeah, so Adrice and I are, uh, we're talking about Drive to Survive. We're talking about hey, the Toto. episode. Yeah, Adrice is here. You want you, are, you are shout, shout out to Adrice there? Hey,
1: I've seen you before. You're on TV. You're funny guys. I like you.
0: Oh, thanks, man. It's, it's really good to hear from you, too. But yeah, we're talking about that uh, episode of Drive to Survive, Bounce Back, where you had that meeting with Christian. What do you think of Christian? The guy's a fucking
1: asshole. I'm no mercenary. Nobody pays me. And if I think somebody owes me something, I
0: take it. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay, that's, that's rough. I'm have you, you to say uh, that? I, 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 well, I mean, he did, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. Have you solved the porpoising problem? Um, how, how are things going with the team? I love my car. This
1: is war. Listen to me very carefully. You are mine now. You belong to me. You're not going to have your mommies run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches. No more complaining. No more Mr. Kimble to go to the bathroom. Nothing. There is no bathroom.
0: Wow. Okay. Well. Well. Thanks for calling. Well, thanks for uh, answering it. the phone, there, Toto. Of course. We'll. Uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: No problema.
0: So obviously, everybody had porpoising problems at the beginning, yeah. and we just explained kind of porpoising. And do you want to like kind of give a quick little layman's rundown yeah. of the porpoising problem?
1: So porpoising is a side effect of having ground effect cars, right? Which are the current regulations of this season's cars. What's happening is as you are funneling air from the front of the car, underneath it, you are creating a low pressure region um, where you have a higher pressure region above your car, a low pressure region below your car. That high pressure wants to go to a lower pressure. So it's going to push down your car, increasing the downforce, which increases your speed, your grip, grip capability of your tires. It's just all around better for your performance. However, you can get to a point where you have pushed the car so low that you have stopped the ground effect. That's what that suction through the bottom of the car is. And it stalls out, bottoms out, and it comes back up, right? And then you start that whole process over again. This is happening in cycling so many times per second. So the car, you'll see it coming down the straight, and you're just seeing the car go, bounce, 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 right? And that would be bad for your head, your spine, your back insert kia song here so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so just not not good overall for performance and health
0: i think at this point this year i porpoising i think is something that still kind of happens but it's it's a quite a bit less of an issue i think now right in this season yeah it seems yeah, to be I, like i think most people, a big of a problem
1: yeah i think most people have kind of gotten a handle on it um mercedes i think is still the worst of it alpine is like the like they have like no porpoising the alpines and red bull are pretty good about it yeah. but ferraris are you just see them come they they also have experience in porpoising but not as much as the mercedes
0: it's interesting watching this one though because it's like we're so used to mercedes being on top yeah and just being that driving force that they have always been and now they're just like suddenly like it's this problem with their they're suddenly just like oh well you know now they're they they're on the back together. foot and they're not yeah. used to being on that back foot But it's kind of
1: fun though, right? It's kind of part of the regulation change where you kind of have to, yeah it, it switches things up
0: right and it's like it's normal i mean we've we've seen it how many times it's happened so many times and uh i mean now and this is also sort of like it was a little bit of a screenshot of like lewis hamilton and george russell and like who's yeah. doing better at you know what team you know what driver and like i think was this is um was this also the episode where they they showed joe Guan Yu's big crash yeah I think, right? yeah
1: yeah yep which is
0: really intense if you have not seen that talking about yeah well he didn't get yeeted and he kind of got yeeted into the air, but. It was more or less just what happened to the crash structure above him when the car yeah. was on flipped on its top, which just does not happen that often. It also, it kind of reminds me of Marcus Erickson's crash in the first season where it just said that, but also Alfa Romeo, you know, it's kind of flipped around. It was just sort of more of a more or less a highlight. I think the big thing was that big driver principal uh, meeting, and it was also hilarious to watch. I think it was like Gunther and Otmar. Uh, uh, they're just like sitting there, just like oh, this yeah. is fun. Like you know, yeah. we don't, we don't have to participate. They're just like watching these. Like it's like the real. It's almost like a, a Real Housewives show, but it's just be called <laughs> like the Real Racing Directors yeah. of Formula One or something. You know. That would be hilarious if they did like a show it's like they, they all have that moment where they they're looking at the camera and they turn and like put their arms around <laughs> them, cross their arms in front
1: Gunter <laughs> Toto
0: <laughs> Toto thinks he's he's the best in the business but I've been around long, I'm also dating a Spoisco, you know like and just like I want to see Old one Christian. of them whip wine in each other you know, yeah, like,
1: oh yeah something do the like, whole, that. like do the whole like pointing at the cat meme, you know, yes, yeah, yes yeah. just replace
0: their faces Well, so let's talk about episode three. Uh, this one was called Matter of Principle. And this is where they showed the Miami Grand Prix. Yeah. You want to talk about how they presented the Miami Grand Prix as contrasted to what it actually oh, they, is in reality? They, they made it seemed
1: like this super, like, this super <laughs> sexy event that everyone had to be at, right? Because it's, it's Miami, right? Yes. Um,
0: Welcome to Miami. it's
1: just, just Dumb. Mm -hmm. the race was dumb i you know they have they have a fake marina
0: you know like yes what yes that see that that, so whack this is where like if you just watch the show and you didn't actually watch the race you think that's why like cool the rest of us, yeah you think like oh man that was the place to be check that out yeah but as we were actually watching it we're just like what is happening this is so weird they had a fake marina where they built plastic see-through like it was basically it's like a you know like like a transparent like you know poor yeah marina with like boats like on it and people were like sitting on the boats like they were it's like it was monaco
1: right right it's kind of smart for selling some some seats right
0: i guess but i can only imagine how expensive oh yeah those would have been
1: like paddock pass
0: and yeah Yeah. that's the problem it's like if you're gonna you're all the cool stuff is gatekeeped away from the common the commoners
1: yeah the common folk.
0: yeah that race was very strange um they had the weird police escort thing at the end and like it wasn't fun it wasn't a fun race to watch it it wasn't it's not an impressive circuit but yeah but anyway the other part of that is also is just sort of the it's the tipping point of ferrari's continual failure yeah that goes forward through the rest of the season because um i think max won this one right and then that was like the big problem with ferrari sort of suddenly like losing points out and yeah it was it was a tipping point just a mess just a mess so next one here a definitely interesting one uh like father like son you want to talk about this Sonadrice?
1: yeah this one had me feeling like all kinds of feels um mick schumacher is a racer who can stand on his own merit yet haas clearly doesn't know when they have good talent on their hands (laughs) this this whole episode just kind of shows like a lot of tension and animosity between Gunter Steiner the team principal of Haas and Mick Schumacher their uh driver that they brought on I think the year prior so this was his Mick's second year right Mm -hmm. and honestly I think Mick is really talented right like he did he I think he won in F2 right if I remember correctly he did really well in the junior series so it's not like he just was a pay driver, you know, daddy comes in with billions of dollars to get him a seat at a team. No. Like he got in there on his own merit. And the, Yeah, he won
0: the twenty twenty uh the twenty twenty Formula two championship.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And so you know, he came in to the team during a weird time during COVID. So I don't think he really got like a really full whole experience as to what it was like being an F1 driver, right? Especially during the COVID year. But yeah, this whole episode just kind of goes back and forth between Mick and Gunter. And I, this was actually one of my least favorite episodes because, yeah, first off, they didn't show anything at all between the relationship that he had with Sebastian Vettel, right. um, who was honestly like a real like real mentor mm-hmm. to him and friend to him. Yes. During the season. And fun fact Sebastian Vettel looks up to Michael Schumacher immensely. That's my oh, yeah. father, right? It's his so it's cool yeah. to have that generational thread that's been woven through those three drivers. But there was like no mention of that at all, right? Just in general, they did Seb dirty on the season. They didn't really like highlight who he is as a no, person, no. who he is as a driver. Yeah. They didn't really talk about his kick-ass Miami Grand Prix 2030 helmet that he wore you know that kind of showed Florida just being underwater and like trying to point attention towards climate change yeah but yeah they also made Mick look like this really timid waste of space Uh during this episode and I was like don't do my boy Mick dirty like this because this guy can this guy can drive Uh um the Haas last season was very finicky it's not like it's not like the Haas was this amazing car right granted I can understand the frustration from the team about him crashing because it's expensive yeah Don't act like this is like Alex Albon racing for Red Bull back in, was it 2019 or so, you know, and him not being up to snuff with Max. Like, no, it's a different scenario.
0: Right. And I think like, you know, breakage of a car and components is something that gets factored in or it should be factored in in a race team. Like nobody, like very rare does a team ever go through a season without having an accident of some sort and needing to have the car repaired. The other thing I was going to say. Talking again about editing, if you go back and watch, I think it was in Baku um, where uh, Mick was having a hard time. Like they were like they were showing him having a hard time, like getting up to speed. And like, I swear they were pumping in the sound of the car decelerating (laughs) while he was on a straightaway. And so it made it look and sound like the car was going way slower and that he wasn't actually trying to push the car. And I was just like, that is unfair.
1: Yeah, like they're yeah.
0: making, they were doing everything in edit to try and make him look as that's worse as possible. Like, yeah. And it's just like, dude. And that's why I'm so glad that Mercedes picked him up. They're, um, they're like giving him more, um, time now working on developing this year's car.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like he's taking more of an active role. He's probably doing more. Uh, effective stuff in the car than he ever did at Haas.
1: yeah probably i mean yeah.
0: you know so yeah they they definitely did him dirty this episode i was Absolutely. Not, i was not particularly happy about
1: it and, and honestly too so i'm a big fan of the beyond the grid podcast with tom clarkson um mm-hmm. keep it flat out that's what he says at <laughs> the end of his episodes but um by the way tom if you're listening you know hey we would love to interview you it, it'd yes. be great to have you on the pod but there was an interview that he had with gunter steiner and I did not, and, and like Tom was really grilling Gunter about Mick and about how they dropped him like that, and I was really happy to hear that, and honestly, I felt like a lot of the answers that Gunter gave didn't really, I don't know, they didn't really add up for me. Um, granted, I'm not a team principal, right? I'm just a dude, but I don't know, It, it I think that interview really lent more evidence that the way the whole Mick-Gunter breakup, because it felt more like a breakup between Gunter and, and Mick, not really mick and haas you know yeah so it it just it just felt wrong how it all kind of went down but you know the important thing is that he's on a good team he's happy he seems to be in a much better place so right and haas is too right so
0: right hopefully hopefully our friend mick will continue will find his way back into the sport um yeah i'm hoping he does because he he deserves to give it another shot in a team that's going to keep give him support and also give him a good car Speaking about drivers moving around the grid.
1: Ooh, these Um, next two episodes.
0: Yeah. So, well, let's start with the first one, our next episode. Um, Pardon my French. So this one focuses on the Alpine F1 team. And uh, the big thing that happened with Alpine last year, well, it was a couple of things, actually. I think it all started with Sebastian Vettel announcing his retirement. Yep. So Sebastian Vettel was racing for Aston Martin, and he decides partway through the season that he's going to retire, which means mm-hmm. his right to do. But it came as kind of a shock. Like, people were not aware that it happened or it was going to happen. So it came out of nowhere. He did a U- uh, Twitter video or something. And so basically... This episode starts out great because it's Atmar now are like ironing his pants and like, <laughs> you know, doing this thing. And he's just like such yeah, a lovely dude. I,
1: I mean, so endearing. I, yeah, I really, really appreciated that they gave us like an inside view to his life. And I kind of want way more of that.
0: Yeah, he's a great guy. He seems very, um, a um very entertaining person to be seeing or like being around. But anyway, so uh, Sebastian his retirement and Atmar was very confident that like he was going to be able to retain fernando alonso mm-hmm. and that you know together um you know they would progress further and like they had asked about and like they also had in their young driver kind of academies racing for their lower divisions was oscar piastri oscar piastri if you don't know is australian his manager is mark weber who is a uh, famous australian uh, f1 driver from uh, racing with red bull and sebastian vettel back in the day and when uh, vettel announced his retirement. Fernando made a quick negotiation and mm-hmm. switched to Aston, which looking from uh, Alonzo's perspective, if Lawrence Stroll offered him, you know, a good amount of money, and it was to go to a team that is sort of on the up and up, like they're mm-hmm. sort of making progress. I mean, I trust Fernando's instincts being as experienced of a driver as he is to see, to be able to go to where the heat is. Now, I mean, I guess him going to McLaren... Maybe not the great, you know, going back to there was probably not a great, but, you know, you also had no idea. I mean, McLaren has such a sterling reputation, but anyway, so essentially Fernando leaves and Alpine is like, hey, well, we got Oscar Piastri. He's going to be racing for us. And then Oscar's like, yeah, uh, about that. Yeah, bro. Um,
1: we didn't sign nothing.
0: <laughs> he messaged on Twitter and he was like, yeah, so I'm not going to be racing for them. And there's this whole thing where like that, you know, Omar talks about feeling betrayed. Yeah. and like, oh, like they're getting rid of whatever, like they you know they're breaking up this relationship that we had, and like, yeah, but I mean, as like I said before on this podcast, they should have put a ring on it. they did not yeah. put a ring on it,
1: yeah, they did not I follow bad.
0: beyonce's instructions
1: i I felt bad for Otmar and Alpine, yeah, um, because they were definitely in a situation where they they had major egg on their face, they were caught with their pants down, that whole kind of thing, right. Like you lose both Alonso and Piastri in one fell swoop, like yikes, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess this is kind of like a uh, like a, a warning to every other team. Always make sure you have good contracts with your junior drivers, right? And I'm sure the rest of them probably do. You know, um, I can't I can't see that happen. It's like Mercedes or Red Bull. Red Bull's pretty cutthroat about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I would say would you would you be willing to say that like there are parts of there are certain teams that definitely are a little bit more cutthroat than others Absolutely. as far as like Absolutely. like a red bull seems to be like a meat grinder
1: yes. like as far as yes.
0: like you got to perform or else you're out and then Ferrari's just like an emotional meat grinder yes and they just you could be talented and they you know be they throw you in there and they just beat you yeah. down
1: hashtag free leclerc
0: hashtag free leclerc I'm still sort of on the fence about whether or not Piastri going with McLaren was a good idea. But hey, his loss is Pierre Gasly's benefit. So
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? So both episodes five and six were kind of about that. It's the whole Alpine McLaren arc, right? I'm actually really glad. Oh, and Aston Martin too, since Alonzo left for them. I'm really glad they picked up Gasly. I think Gasly is a fantastic driver. He's been one of my favorites since he joined the grid. I always kind of felt like if he had had like another year at Red Bull mm-hmm. things might have gotten better for him you know like when you put anyone next to Max Verstappen come on now you know what I mean like yes. it's gonna look it's gonna look crazy so he deserves a shot at redemption right and I think he has shown himself time and time again to be reliable and to be that dude mm-hmm. at AlphaTauri so you know him and Alpine for the season it's been really good It's it's been productive so far
0: yeah I um, think they have potential to to Bake good improvements pretty quickly. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and an all-French team? Like, come on. Ocon, Gasly, and, and a French works team? Yeah, fantastic. I
0: can, you know, there's something about that that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. I can't Is remember it? the last time Ferrari had an all-Italian lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, i mean mercedes technically i mean yes it's kind of german but they're also based in england so yeah. like it's having two english drivers and like an english-based team is pretty special mm-hmm. uh and then haas i mean we have one american driver we just mm-hmm. need another american driver well,
1: you know. well uh, for you mean because uh sergeant's on williams but maybe oh do, like, yeah. Some kind of duh. yeah
0: duh duh Duh! <laughs> I, I said a mind. Break. I, I'm, <laughs> maybe that was a Nostradamus moment for me. Maybe, maybe. that's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll refer back to this. Um, yeah, I'll put I'll put the clip up and then I'll have like a you know music swirling noises in the background. But
1: yeah, one thing I want to say too about this episode was I really appreciated them showing Daniel Ricardo during this and giving him some time here because man, you could see it on his face every single interview with daniel ricardo during the 2022 season that he was not having a good time there and i feel mm. so bad for this guy and you know because honestly daniel ricardo is drive to survive you know what i mean yeah like the whole first season kind of focused on him second season as well mm-hmm. and i think netflix did such a good job of focusing on him in particular because he's such an approachable likable guy yeah who has a good mm-hmm. sense of humor and is kind of charming and endearing and can draw you in that i don't know if the show would have been as successful had they not picked him as like the focal point.
0: Yeah, well, I think he just has that kind of personality that's really yeah. good at talking to people and yeah. um being expressive and being a personality. And that's what you want from television. That's what's gonna hook you. Um right. if they only ever talk to Max, they're just gonna get very seriousness and you know, it's just sort of like talks about how great he is all the time. Well, that leads us right into the next episode, then, which is Nice Guy Finished Last, which I'm just gonna say as a phrase. Mm-hmm. I have I have a sort of love love hate relationship with okay because why, why so it's well because it's used as negative but also as a positive all the time I much prefer like you know slow and steady wins the race rather mm-hmm. than nice guys finish last it's sort of they're sort of like a yin yang sort of thing sure um sure. but I agree with that I will say that Daniel ricardo is definitely a nice guy and he does not deserve to finish last yeah and so yeah I I remember um in the previous seasons of Drive to Survive. When Danny was went to the Renault team, they like formed their entire organization around Danny Ricardo. Yes, like having him there was like super exciting for them. They were like, "Yes,"
1: because remember too, like he was coming off of a really hot season at Red Bull, right? Yeah, like he he wanted to change. This guy can drive. He is so good. Like watching this episode and seeing like the clips of like his wins, right at Mm -hmm. at Monaco. You know, he's won several several places but Monaco's the one that's just sticking out to me right now yeah and you just see like how amped the entire red bull pit wall is for him you know they're just like yeah danny mm-hmm. you
0: did it again get in there you know yeah. and just can we also take a quick moment and talk about how many failed um well i won't say failed but how many teammates max Verstappen has just chewed through in his uh, f1 yeah. career at this point i mean literally let's name them it's ricardo well, Albon, keffiyeh um Gasly. S- signs technically when he was in yep. Toro Rosso yep. Gasly yep. and Sergio
1: yeah he, this is a sixth a sixth teammate I hate saying sixth
0: it's <laughs> like I mean I can't imagine that Max is like I mean I, I know he's the golden boy yeah. right for the Red Bull organization and guy. I think that is exactly why Danny left in the first place right
1: right because he knew yeah I think he could kind of feel that and see that coming too they're like yeah they're really focused on him let me just go make my own destiny. And I and I understand that too. That's why he left. Yeah. That was the impetus for that, right? right? He was like, let me make my own decision and stand on my own two feet. And if it fails, it fails. But I made that decision, you know? Yeah. And like, there's a certain amount of pride you can take in that. So I understand that.
0: Yeah. And so they built their whole organization basically around him at Up. Yeah. And so when they were talking about in this episode of getting Danny back, there are a lot of race mechanics that were like, man, like, we'd love to see you back. Like, we're hoping that you come back to us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, yeah, I mean, it would have made sense to me. I think I personally think that Danny going to Alpine would have been a better decision. Um yeah. whatever, but he also just had to leave McLaren. Yeah. So but then that, that also just makes it like, you know, what would have happened to Pierre Gasly and like that's that's the problem with yeah. silly season. It's, it's a lot There's of shuffle
1: effects. Yeah. I,
0: I I do love that they are they're definitely giving um they're definitely giving Danny some some attention this year at the team. So mm-hmm. I think I love it's it. good. Now, talking about giving attention, um, <laughs> this next episode "Hot Seat" is uh, talking about revolves uh, around Sergio Perez. Now, here's where it starts to get juicy because this is like I, what I said when I talked about how if yeah. you watch the season, there is stuff that you get that they yep. do not talk about in Drive to Survive. 100%, 100%. You want to talk about some of that stuff that they, yeah. that they put in there? And like, so
1: this, this whole this whole episode focused on Sergio or Checo Perez during. I think they really focus on Monaco a lot. Right? Here's the thing. If you didn't know this, so during the actual season, um uh Checo ends up winning the Monaco Grand Prix, right? Later that evening, apparently he's going out and there's lots of video clips and, and uh, photos that are coming out of him like at clubs like with women, like whether it's him like kissing up on them or dancing on them or something. It looks like he's you know, definitely like saucy and like getting real close to some people, right? Yeah. Man. That are not his wife. Well, over the weekend, uh Max Verstappen's mom tweets about how was it i don't know if it was twitter and instagram she was posting about how you know he should be focusing on his wife instead of going out there you know being out there in these streets cheating on his woman who just had a had had the third kid and man like the internet was just like huh (laughs) was going nuts because like here you have the mother of his teammate just putting his information out there like that you know what i mean and it was so dramatic. And, and if you think about this episode through that context, it's really interesting, right? Because they made it a point to show that Checo loves his family, loves his wife, loves his kids. They show a clip from his wedding and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's no mention at all about any of that drama. No, And, you know, it's probably because they want to make sure that they can maintain Red Bull behind the scenes access, right? Because right. Christian Horner clearly loves being like the center of attention of the show
0: (laughs) yeah well and you know to to make things even more interesting that whole situation came out coinciding with this incident that they happened in monaco
1: right so yeah with with the crash during yeah right right
0: so later on in the season um the championship had been decided and sergio was fighting for second place in the
1: championship in the, yeah in the championship yeah.
0: and all it would have taken was max who i think in the last race was in like sixth place or he something was in sixth place and, and check was, in was seventh. fifth of seven yeah yeah and uh, you know they could have easily just done team orders to swap the two because spoiler alert max had the world championship sewn up and so swapping those places would not have affected max's championship it wouldn't have affected at red all. bull's championship at all but yeah. it would have given Sergio, second place in the championship. Mm-hmm. Max didn't do it. Why didn't he yep. do it? Because, well,
1: well. he came. Yeah, he came on and said, you know, we've already talked about this. I won't do that on the radio. Mm-hmm. So everyone watching the race at home is just like, wait, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, what? and you know what? I misspoke. I misspoke. So I said the the Instagram post or the tweet was like during the Monaco weekend. No, no. it was actually during this weekend. Yeah. During the, it was the Brazil race, wasn't right. it? It was,
0: yeah. Uh, I can remember if it was Brazil or if it was Abu Dhabi. I can't remember.
1: It was, it was a few races later. Yes, it so, was like six races later. Yeah, the Instagram post came out because people were like, talking trash about max they were like oh he's not a he's not a good teammate and everything what what is this big problem that they're talking about at red bull and then that's when his mom came out with the post and so it made things even more spicy and you're just like holy crap yeah what happened at monaco right you know
0: (laughs) right yeah well apparently according to max sergio he claims that sergio deliberately crashed in order to make sure that he would be on pole and spoil his lap.
1: So did Max actually say that, or is that just kind of the presumed...
0: That's what Max... Apparently, that is what Max is citing as being, because I think he alludes to, like, you know... um, Mm. He basically alluded to, like, you know, Sergio did this to me, so he needs to have... You know, he needs to be punished for it, basically. It all ties back to Monaco, because apparently, according to what Max was suggesting, that Sergio crashed deliberately to prevent Eww. max from finishing his hot lap. And so that he would be on pole position. Now this is not unusual. Rossberg did it. Michael Schumacher did it. Although they didn't crash their car. They just went into the runoff area and stopped. So that's where it's a little, I yeah. don't know because like, I don't think Sergio would be so reckless as to try and crash the car. Like, I think there's easier ways to spoil a lap if you're going to do it deliberately. But like, apparently they were showing data, like kind of like, um, data on the car like that like oh he spiked the gas right as he was coming out the corner and that caused the car to spin and you know there's all this speculation but regardless i think that max holding a grudge to that sort of extent without real definitive evidence that that was the case is a little yeah. crappy particularly if you have already won the championship and your team has already won the championship yeah. i mean what is one place yeah you know what i mean why are you a- putting your flag on this hill
1: and that's the thing we don't still to this day we don't know 100 percent what happened right and right. we probably won't ever find out right unless someone no. comes out with like a, a red bull mechanic comes out with like a tell-all or something yeah. you know
0: or yeah like sergio just decides after he retires like yep i did it mm-hmm. um
1: it was yeah. me yeah.
0: it was me um yeah we're, we're never really gonna know but that was like they yeah they like you said they did not cover that at all
1: yeah they just showed the best parts of his life and his character so
0: right right yeah We're down to the last two episodes here, and the biggest thing that I can remember these last two, the thing that, that got me kind of like, what, <laughs> is once again, the end of the actual season last year happened yeah. in Japan.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God. So it was stupid. a super rainy so race. Stupid.
0: Right? Suzuka, I mean, yeah. for one thing, there was Carlos Sainz spun, there was a truck on the track, and Pierre Gasly nearly ran into him. They don't Which talk about really, that at all. They don't talk about that at all. Not even a mention. And that was a big problem. Yeah. But of course, big they're not going to talk about that because well, that's, you know.
1: And, let, and let's talk about why it's a big problem. It's right. a big problem because someone died on track or no, not on track, died as a result of an incident, of yep. a crash resulting from that later, right?
0: Mm -hmm. at Suzuka
1: 2014 yeah at Suzuka in
0: in the similar situations involving a tractor so yeah yeah, like not good conditions the tractor should not have been on there but it was anyway Um, but anyway they stop the race they only run a certain amount of distance and there's all this like oh well like did Max win like did he not win because like there was like fractional points you know put together or whatever and then we just get the most awkward moment where Max is up at the you know ready room or whatever they usher him into this little side room with like a wayfair chair and yeah. a big yeah, projector screen preloaded with his face all over it and he's just sitting there like looking really awkward and like he doesn't know what to do and then he just gets up and walks out and he's just like yeah it's kind of lonely in there I'm like Yeah, they don't do anything like that. They make it sound like he wanted on track. But I think like even with the editing, it's like they knew that because it wasn't this triumphant moment, he didn't do burnouts on the track. They had to find a way to edit it. And so they kind of did, but it's just sort of like, you wouldn't even know if, unless somebody told you that he won, like you might not have even known watching the show that he was the champion. Like, cause yeah. they barely, it, cause it was such a nothing burger of a, of a finish. It was, <laughs> it was so disappointing. Like, ah, uh, you want to see him finish on a check. You can understand if it's like, can't happen because of weather. But right. That was really the last really big one that I remember yeah. watching drive. Star. I'm like, they don't even touch that.
1: Well, that and also, too, I think the other big thing was that we, that we need to touch on is the fact that Red Bull went over on the cost cap. And oh, yeah. The well, catering thing is just such nonsense. It's yeah. like, we definitely I mean, they cheated. They cheated. Yeah, they that's, did. That's cheating. Like, We've that's definitely
0: talked about that a bunch. You know, that's where like my whole controversy of me thinking that Red Bull is, you know, cheating. But yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think about how they displayed that? I mean, because Christian Horner, I think, famously in the episode was like, "It was for catering." Yeah, it
1: was for catering. Like, I, I don't know. I really like the way Zach Brown broke it down. He was like, "Look, you can say catering all you want, but all that means is that you could have spent that extra money on your car, mm-hmm. and that's probably what you did." You know,
0: well, how big of an impact do you think 500 grand makes on an F1 car? I mean, because isn't like a side mirror, like $300,000 or something on an F1 car?
1: Uh, I I don't know the price point. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. That sounds really expensive. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe like 3K, you know, um, depending on the materials. But, you know, that could be a lot of additional um, additional analysts who are running CFD, who are yeah running any kind of simulations. That could be extra parts you're testing. That could be a lot of things, you know, and that sounds like a small amount relative to the value of money that they're putting into the car when they're developing it. But it could make a difference, you know, and and that's the thing. You're, you're operating on that could part, right? And that is enough of an open door for you to just say that you
0: cheated. So a steering wheel for an F1 car is about 50 grand. Wow. A set of wings, like the front wing and a rear wing, is about $200,000. So, yeah, maybe a side view mirror is maybe like $20,000, maybe $10,000. Still a lot of money. Mm. I honestly think more of with the cost breach gap thing. I, I think it's more about the principle of the thing, right? Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like the fact that you broke the rules. There's a hard cap on this. This isn't we're not just doing this just because we're mean. There's a reason why these captors are in place and you need to draw that line in the sand somewhere. And so if that's across your catering budget, then it's across your catering budget. I mean, I'm sorry, like you can't massage that. And but Christian is really, really good at like making you seem like you're the antagonist here. You know that you're lights. the one that did it wrong. You know, oh, he yeah. gas. Oh, yeah. He's like the king yeah. of gas lamps, like gaslighting everybody. Maybe that'll be a, a little out of context thing, just like, <laughs> like you know, somebody <laughs> holding a gas lamp, and it's just like Christian horror, oh, saying like, "It's Lord. your fault. It's dark in here." So overall, what what rating out of five stars would you give Dry to Survive season five?
1: Well, you know, uh, it started off pretty good. I thought the episodes five and six, like arc dual episode arc was really good with alpine mclaren and Aston martin mm-hmm. but yeah there were some things that they really just did not go into enough detail on that i think kind of did the product and also the fans a disservice yeah. so i mean i'd give it like a seven out of ten you know but I, I just i don't know i'm really bothered by the lack of talking about the safety car uh, or the the uh tractor on track yeah during suzuka that was kind of messed up mm. so yeah how about
0: you i I agree i give this you know i honestly would give this a three stars wow Um, maybe three and a half uh wow really because i mean honestly as i was watching it i mean the crowd between the the store use crowd cheering completely skipping out on vettel the whole like recontextualizing sergio perez completely leaving out the whole thing with gasly on track and suzuka and also just the whole Mm -hmm. thing with suzuka in general about who won whatever and whatever points um i also just feel like they were really really i felt like so much of the stuff that they were doing it felt really staged especially at the beginning with uh benito and uh gunther in the fiat like i'm just like mm, this feels like doesn't feel natural you know
1: yeah but, you know hearing your your analysis i would i'd drop it down to a six out of ten then <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> oh i, do agree oh, I thought
0: uh, did i say 10 i'm at five but that's fine whatever
1: <laughs> oh th- okay three out of five yeah. okay well yeah three out of five is six out of ten that's fine yeah yeah okay, the same yeah, yeah okay yeah
0: all right well uh thanks for listening everybody you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts uh if you want to hit us up you can find us on instagram and twitter and tiktok at f1 or f off uh, or you can email us at f1 or f off podcast at gmail.com please let us know uh how we're doing and um we'd love to hear from you and uh yeah we'll, we'll see you next race weekend all right peace luck, everybody. peace